At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, well, just to make sure we get in. Fuck! (laughs) (laughs) When I heard, I was running this morning. And then um, I was taking a little break, and then I, I opened Twitter Facebook? or whatever, and oh, okay. yeah, something. And I was just like, "What the fuck are you fucking kidding uh, me?" The first thing I saw was uh, we can get into it. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where, unfortunately, instead of talking about Beach Bod Boogie or Bahamas Boogie and just soaking in all of the fun of everything our lovable big teddy bear of a new big man was all about this offseason, we are unfortunately just boogie bummed out. And so, as everyone has probably heard by now, DeMarcus Cousins suffered a torn ACL and is likely out for the next year or so. And, um, and yeah, the, the, unfortunately, the Boogie and Brow Bash and Bros reunion will have to wait, if it even happens at all. And I think that's the saddest part about all this. This is one of those raw, unplugged reaction podcasts, so we're going to try and keep it short. And also, Alan's doing this from his car, so bear that in mind when you hear his audio. Uh, but Alan... How just let me know how you're feeling with this new news. Obviously, the words soul crushing, deflating come first to mind when uh, thinking about Boogie. I mean, just on a personal level, obviously, for him to have suffered the injuries that he's had to suffer the last it's just honestly been a year and a half from the Achilles injury to the quad injury to now this ACL tear. It's it's gut wrenching. We feel for Boogie, but uh, yeah, just uh. Upon hearing the news, how are you? How are you taking it? It's crazy. When I uh, turned on my phone, uh, just to whatever see what's going on with things, like my legs, like kind of went numb. You know, it was just like complete disbelief. Um, and my head kind of felt like it was spinning. Maybe it's because I was running and I'm not in the best shape or whatever. But when I read it, my whole body just kind of like went into this like very mild form of shock. Like you're freaking kidding me. So like, I felt devastated for him. 
yeah, I'm pretty sure my jaw dropped and I was just shaking my head all by myself, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I was shocked by it, of course. And then, um, man, you just feel for the guy. Cause like you said, it's, it's only been like a year and a half since all this stuff started going on with him health wise. And, um, he went on keto or whatever he did to lose all the weight and, you know, super motivated, of course, and fresh start, all that. And then for this to happen, this is horrible, man. Yeah, and then just, my second yeah. thought was like, you know, basketball wise, like, oh, shoot, <laughs> like mm-hmm. now what? Because I, obviously it was like, oh, man, like anything he can give us uh, is going to be nice. But then as you think back to, again, like his connection with AD in New Orleans, then you start to like get real excited. You know, it's like, oh, man, like like you said, it's a reunion. Um, I'm sure we've all been playing with the Lakers in 2K pretty often with the updated rosters. And I'll tell you, dude, when I'm playing, I'm using the hell out of Boogie. Um, so yeah, just all those hopes and excitement and, and anticipation, like it was on fire and now it was, it was lit and now it's been extinguished. I know it's, it's so disheartening and unfortunately it feels a little too familiar as a Lakers fan where not only because of the injury aspect of things, but I feel like the last couple of years, anytime we've had something really good happen, it's always been preceded by something, you know, unfortunate. You know, last year it was, okay, we got LeBron James, but Paul George all of a sudden backs out, and we have to settle for Rajon Rondo, Lance Stevenson, and this this motley crew of free agents, right? And Why can't we just be happy? (laughs) Why can't we just be happy? I I know, and uh, yeah. Why things have to get all complicated? Exactly. I mean, I mean, this morning I found out I was getting ready for work. And then the way that I found out was I just saw Tommy's um, message on our, our Facebook message thread, essentially say DeMarcus Cousin is down or DeMarcus Cousin has some sort of knee injury. Fook. I mean, he spelled the F <laughs> word wrong. But <laughs> I mean, any time I see that, I'm like, oh, crap, what just what just happened, you know? Yeah. And as news came out, after that, we learned that it was maybe just a knee-to-knee bump. And I was like, okay, maybe this isn't so serious. And then finally, the ACL tear, and we're like, ah, well, he's done, you know. And uh, apparently, the injury happened on Monday, and, and video came out of DeMarcus Cousins, you know, playing pickup. And it was just like a very light pickup against guys who are literally like 5'8", 5'9". And he's just going in for a routine layup. He plants his foot down wrong and then he just crumples to the floor and apparently they didn't think it was serious after that but upon further testing they felt like something was off and here we are acl tear one of the most severe injuries you can get in basketball after an achilles so it really tough for demarcus for me it couldn't have been worse timing because this year this season was likely his last shot at a big payday now he won't be able to take advantage of the very scarce 2020 free agency market. Like, even if he had played just moderately well, he would have gotten the bag this offseason. Next offseason, I mean. Because there was nobody on the market, and now he's not even going to be able to avail of that. That circumstance. And he's likely probably going to have to, you know, just settle for a minimum contract. And it, this all started with the Achilles injury, obviously, but the Pelicans offered him... 20 million dollars to return and he turned that down for the chance to you know sign with the warriors for cheap and you know hopefully win a ring and prove that he's a winning sort of player and it's just been downhill from there ever since and 
it's tough because I mean he was on the list of everyone's you know favorite offseason acquisition this year as a Laker and we had all kind of like embraced his lovable fun personality his f the world mentality just wanting to prove people wrong and come back and and fight and it just sucks it it just sucks there's no other way of uh putting it and this kind of reminds me unfortunately of kobe bryant you know like after his achilles injury slowly his body just started breaking down due to due to overcompensation uh, I think he had a he had a knee injury as well that didn't look too serious when he when he came back and then after that he was out for the rest of the season right his first season coming back from the Achilles injury and then the next year after that all of a sudden he had a shoulder shoulder injury on a routine dunk on the baseline and it, it kind of just feels like it's unraveling for Demarcus in, in the, that same fashion. Yep, and Demarcus is only twenty nine, which makes it even worse, dude. Like he's yeah. in his freaking twenties. Absolutely. It's all lower body stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, this definitely feels like a kick in the balls. And, you know, for me personally, I don't know about you. I always had in the back of my mind, DeMarcus is going to be our cherry on top of the Sunday, right? But I always wanted to put that asterisk. I was I was trying so hard, dude, not to get too excited and get ahead of myself because because of this potential reality. And also because I know we've been here before with, with Kobe, with even with Dwight Howard, with, with LeBron James, and <sighs> I mean, yeah, for sure. My my thought was like, okay, if anything, he'll probably get hurt in the middle of the season. You know, mm-hmm. like something's gonna happen, or it's gonna be knickknack injuries, and maybe he ends up playing literally like forty out of eighty two games. But at least we would have seen him mm-hmm. a little. And then the fact that it happened in August, you know, and like you said, he's playing with a bunch of scrubs. It wasn't even training camp. Like, he hasn't done any whatever official stuff with the team, really. As you said, like, that's a kick in the balls right there. Because, yeah, my expectations were tapered. Didn't try to get too far ahead of myself. But, again, my expectations, like, well, he's going to suit up and at least play a little bit in an actual regular season game. And the fact that that isn't even going to happen is that's the most disheartening thing. Yeah, and as much as I try to temper my expectations, I have to say I embraced I embraced the thought of him becoming, you know, our pseudo third star, that icing on the cake that kind of launches us into like supreme contender status, you know, where if we were ever going to win a championship this year, it was going to be off the backs of one Kyle Kuzma growing into who he's supposed to be, but also two DeMarcus Cousins regaining form in some fashion or level, right? And the fact that we don't even get to see that just sucks. And for me, this is like the curse of the 3.5 million salary because last year we gave that 3.5 million to Michael Beasley, right? And we pretty much, what did we get out of that? Like a couple games of Michael Beasley because he was yeah. dealing with you know the his his mother's cancer and then the drugs that he was doing to like cope with that and him eventually just unceremoniously being shipped off. And this year, we don't even get to see DeMarcus Cousins in a Lakers uniform. So the curse of the $3.5 million salary continues, and uh, we get nothing out of that slot. And unfortunately, even if we get a disabled player's exception, it's pretty much useless to us because we can only sign a player making half of Boogie's salary, which is like $1.75, and that's less than the veteran minimum exception for most of these veteran guys anyways. So... Even when it comes to trying to replace this position, you're looking at 
I mean, you can't even take advantage of the DPE unless you trade it for a player making that small amount of salary. So we're likely just going to go bargain shopping, bargain hunting with our veteran minimum exception. Right now, we do have one roster slot left open. Um, if we cut DeMarcus, that's two roster slots. But I mean, at this point, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. But um, l- let's let's quickly talk, Alan, about how this significantly affects the team. Because a lot of the reason why I was so optimistic about our Kawhi plan B pivot was because of DeMarcus and getting getting him on such a cheap deal. I mean, DeMarcus Cousins on a lot of people's lists was, you know, the bargain bin contract of the offseason, right? Like the best risk reward contract and a potential steal. And now that's been taken away from us. So what what are your thoughts on just the trickle-down effect on the roster? You know, Anthony Davis is probably going to have to play center now, play five, which I guess you can take that as a silver lining because that's the position that a lot of us wanted him to play anyways. And maybe in playoff situations, there wasn't going to be a lot of moments where DeMarcus would be out there on the court to close. So maybe you can look at it that way. But yeah, what are your thoughts on how this, for me, this significantly lowers our ceiling, you know, because he was our trump card our wild card that could have taken us to new heights. But uh, yeah, your thoughts on how it affects the depth, et cetera, et cetera. Well, <clears throat> Kyle Kuzma, <laughs> he's like, I mean, he was already the third option, but then of course you could kind of think like, well, what if Boogie, if we're being super optimistic and all that stuff, what if he ends up being like kind of that guy, they could be interchangeably three, a three B. Well, now it's pretty clear, <laughs> right? Like it number three is sole possession of Kyle Kuzma. Um, so he's got to step up and all indications are that, you know, he's ready to whatever, but, um, so yeah, definitely affects his role. Um, and like you said, it definitely puts Anthony Davis in, I suppose, despite what he would say, like his more natural position, um, again, could be a moot point in late game situations because of defense and whatnot, but I, I can't imagine AD at the four and then JaVale at the five to start. Um, to me, that that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Again, I haven't even really processed what these lineups could look like. Um, you know, I think the most disappointing part about all this is we had kind of, even before the season, I mean, the season hasn't begun yet, obviously, but a lot of us were envisioning, and I think Frank Vogel was envisioning this too, based off of his comments on uh, Chris Mannix's podcast, where we were supposed to play out of the post, right? The post yeah. was supposed to be our central theme and area of strength. And it's crazy how you just take DeMarcus Cousins out of that, and then all of a sudden we're looking very thin. It's just Anthony Davis, JaVale McGee, and uh-oh, hope LeBron James and Kyle Kuzma are up for some banging down low. And now it's like we, we're hearing that the Lakers are placing the center as a position of you know, immediate need, which makes sense with the loss of DeMarcus Cousins. But for me, it's it, it sucks because this, the, po- the post play and initiating out of the post, playmaking out of the post, all that is, is, is gone. And, yeah, because uh, you think about all DeMarcus's passing, right? Like even beyond his scoring ability and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think we all envisioned him dropping all these dimes, you know, to AD and just playing really well off of him based on what we saw in New Orleans. Um, yeah. And yeah, now that's gone. And also, we with DeMarcus Cousins, we had that versatility of really being able to stagger all around the lineup, all across different uh, roster configurations, right? Whether it was stagger LeBron, stagger AD, stagger Kuz, stagger Boogie. 
You take Boogie out of the equation now, well, Kyle Kuzma has to start, right? Or probably has to start. And then what does our bench look like? Now I'm looking <laughs> at our bench and I'm like, ah, oh, this kind of looks like, not to this extent, but it kind of looks Mimi again. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, you got Caruso's going to carry us. Rondo's going to carry us on the bench. Like, we better hope Avery Bradley's up to the task and he, we ho- better hope that he's like 100% of his former self all of a sudden. Um, it just raises the expectations and burden on everybody else. We're hoping that this unfortunate, this snowball crap show is not a bad trickle-down effect on everybody else, you know? Uh, and that we, we hope we can patchwork quilt this up uh, as soon as possible. The good thing is, it happened right now, and we haven't even begun. We haven't integrated anybody into specific roles. So sure. we can kind of rejigger on the fly in a sense. Um, but it is deflating. Like I said, our versatility kind of has gone out the window with this. And... Now we're vulnerable a bit, especially when it comes to, like I mentioned, our bench and having primary initiators and creators, which was something that we were already kind of lacking from our crop of guards. But with Boogie out, it's like, okay, one less playmaker, which was supposed to be an area of strength. And we were supposed to beat people up down low. Now when I'm thinking about the Clippers matchup, it's like, ah, Boogie's gone. So we're not as potent as we once were. It's really going to fall on the backs of Anthony Davis and LeBron, right? Right. Well, I'm going to take it to break. When we return, Alan, I'm just going to quickly ask you about what we do from here. And uh, by the time this episode airs, maybe we've already done something, but there are some names out there and we can toss them out and, and uh, talk to them a little bit. All right, Alan. So what what now? Um, like I mentioned, disabled players exception is only going to give you half of the 3.5 million. So we're just really working with a veteran minimum. We do have one spot still open until we learn about Boogie's recovery timetable. Look, the ACL injury, depending on the severity of that injury, is a nine-month to a year sort of injury. And, it, and I mean, I, I think we can pretty much rule Boogie out. There may be some small room or sliver of chance that Boogie wants to prove to everybody before 2020 that he can actually still play um, if he comes back in May or April in the playoff hunt. But I just think that's so unrealistic at this point. And you, given his last year and just piling up these injuries, you probably just want him to rest. Um, but in terms of guys that are out there and, and how we make up for the loss of Boogie, what are your thoughts on, you know, maybe we get Joe Kim Noah, who's still a free agent doing these, uh, pickup ball runs at UCLA with Rico Hines. He does give you that playmaking aspect of things, and he may actually be a better defender on the perimeter than Boogie right now. Uh, There's Kenneth Fareed, Nene Hilario, but Nene is like 36, 37 years old. Uh, Greg Monroe's playing overseas. He can maybe give you some of that offense that Boogie could provide, but doesn't give you any defense at all, and definitely not the playmaking that Boogie provides. Maybe he can opt out of his overseas contract. Yeah, what are your thoughts on uh, on these sorts of guys? Dwight Howard. <laughs> Come home. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, man, I know, because you think about, like, well, what was the biggest thing that Boogie, bought to, that Boogie brought to the table? Um, and like we just talked about, it's his post-play. It's his playmaking ability. So how do you fill that gap? Um, I mean, like you said, like Noah, I guess he's a playmaker for sure. And then you add his defense. Um, God, it's just that Boogie has like multiple strengths, you know, and like, there's no one that you're going to find who is not that Boogie's like an all around player or anything, but you're not going to come close to matching that talent and that skill set. So as a team, like what's our biggest overall need, 
you know? Like playmaking and, yeah, playmaking, which I think Noah can do, but he's not going to give you the spacing that Boogie provided where we know he can shoot threes. Exactly, yeah, yeah. I think having like a stretch five at this point is just wishful thinking, right? Yeah. Like based on the personnel of who's out there, like who, who is a shooter. Like Ryan Anderson, but that guy is strictly a shooter. He's pretty much Steve he don't play, Novak. He don't play you know? defense, right? He's a catch and shoot guy. Yep. So stick him in the corner. Um, yeah, you're probably not going to get any shooting. You're probably going to get very little offense, actually, like production. So, and then you know, again, we don't know like Frank Vogel super well as a coach in terms of what he's going to value. I mean, we know what his reputation is as far as defense goes. So one might tend to think that the focus could go there, um, in which case a lot of the guys who are available, with the exception of Monroe, I guess, are more defensive oriented. <sighs> I mean, who would, the- you, who would you be most excited? <laughs> I think at this point, they just got to go after Joakim Noah because uh, they are they need to shore up that center position and he does provide passing out of the post and maybe still some defense he's just gonna it's just gonna kill our spacing we're not gonna be as potent a perimeter threat as we thought but he can operate out of the post which is good and he showed some life with the memphis grizzlies last year and I honestly gonna say, like, i gotta get reoriented with my Joakim noah and watch some memphis grizzlies seriously. highlights <laughs> i mean and honestly at this point we have to pray 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 for andre Iguodala to get bought out right he becomes so essential and so intense because if we're looking for playmaking and defense that's Andre Iguodala in spades at his age and what's left out on the market and we have to hope that the Grizzlies buy that dude out but for now honestly you know me and Tommy discussed this you know this past day but like Carmelo Anthony at this point he's he's very inconsistent I think at this point he's just trying to make it back into the league and he'll have to accept a certain type of role if we're looking for guys who can score, primary, primary initiate, that's Carmelo Anthony. Even if it's just 15 minutes a game, I, I understand the combustibility of bringing on a guy like Carmelo Anthony, but you have to think that he'd be willing to accept a certain type of role. And, and I think in this sense, it's just like, we need scorers right now. Someone who can carry our bench, if need be. And, you know, given the fact that we were okay with Kuzma coming off the bench, Maybe you put Carmelo in the starting lineup for like 10 minutes a game or something like that just to make that kind of flow and and hum. And, you know, like Carmelo played 10 games last season with the Rockets. We know what a dumpster fire it was. But in those 10 games, he still had like two or three games where he had 29 points, 24 points, 22 points. And in two of those games, he hit six threes. So he does show some capabilities of being a perimeter threat, right, which would probably be commensurate to the type of perimeter threat that DeMarcus was going to be for us anyways. We're just losing out on defense because even though DeMarcus wasn't a great perimeter defender, he's much better than Carmelo Anthony, right? And Mm -hmm. we're losing out on the playmaking. So I I would not be opposed to Carmelo Anthony. I think the best case scenario would be just sign Joakim Noah and hope that Andre Iguodala gets bought out. Yeah, I'm all about this this Memphis Grizzlies in, in Los Angeles point of view <laughs> got Avery Bradley get Iguodala, <laughs> even though that doesn't like really count as a grizzly and then yeah we'll get Noah too so yeah and grindhouse you know, <laughs> grindhouse indeed and you know at this point maybe we hope that Costas Antetokounmpo steps up maybe we get some cake cock <laughs> Alan what do we need on this cake cock some more cock exactly cake cock I mean that's unrealistic but but we, we need guys to step up mainly it's going to be Kyle Kuzma and Caruso 
And the other thing I want to bring up is maybe the Lakers go in a different direction. Maybe they try and shore up the center spot, but maybe it looks like the the identity of this team has fundamentally changed with Boogie out. So maybe we just shore up the playmaking aspect of things, the primary initiating aspect of things, or get more wing defenders in, in lieu of Andre Iguodala, maybe sign Iman Shumpert for more wing defense, perimeter defense, maybe sign Jeremy Lin to patch up the primary initiating. At this point, at this stage, I don't really know. Hard to tell. But Alan, do, do you have any silver linings for us right now? <laughs> I mean, I... Other than, like, at least it happened now and not later, mm-hmm. I guess. Even though I was obviously uh, hoping to see him play at least a little bit. But can you imagine how crushing it would have been if this happened, like, just so, like, perfectly during the first game? Absolutely. Like, Julius think... Randall style, you know? Like, yeah. it's crushing no matter what. It's sort of a moot point. But if it were to happen in the middle of an actual game, that would just feel so much worse, even though same thing on paper. So, um, yeah, I guess that. I guess the <laughs> other sil- from like uh, on paper point of view, I God, I can't think of one right now. I think the only other silver lining is we still got LeBron James, Anthony Davis and Kyle Kuzma. You never want to play like who would you rather have injured? You know what I mean? But True. in terms of DMC or Kuzma, Kuzma would be the real crushing blow if we're talking about non AD, non LeBron James players. Right. Because, you know, Kuzma has long term. There's a long term attachment to Kuzma, too. And if he went down, I know some people think he's replaceable and expendable, but that would have been an even bigger blow because we were expecting his potential to rise, you know, for him to hit his ceiling and continue to get better. That's fair because we didn't have like a necessarily a high expectation for Boogie, right? It's like whatever we get is great. Yep. So now we're getting nothing. So that's not great. Yeah, but we but we still got LeBron James. We still got Anthony Davis. I think I have those guys. They're pretty good. They are pretty good. And I like 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 you mentioned, because it happened now, we do still have the next two months to restructure, replan things, and find a different vision for this team. It just sucks that it's without Boogie. Hopefully, the guys will take this as more motivation. Draymond Green said today he was looking forward to DeMarcus Cr- Cousins crushing the league this year. And hearing comments like that is just... <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, but hey, look... Maybe Boogie can can recover on company dime, even if we cut him, and hopefully we can run this back next year. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind bringing Boogie back for 2020-2021 season and and just giving him a shot at recovering because I'm super down for that. Yeah, we're pretty good at waiting at this point. Uh, We've true. all grown in the patience department. Absolutely. So we're looking forward to Boogie Beast Mode Redux. And uh, yeah, we'll leave it right there. Alan, thanks for joining me for this instant reaction sort of deal. Not the kind of ones we want to be having at this point and at this juncture in the summer where we're just trying to have a break and like look forward to the season. But it is what it is. Indeed. Indeed. All right, cool. Have a good session, man. Thanks, dude. Later. Right. All right. So I'm going to take it to break one more time. And when we return from the break, I'm going to play... And this is so unfortunate, the timing of this and everything, but I'm going to play an interview I did with Dave Singleton of Making Hoops. He's a professional basketball trainer with Making Hoops up in Calgary, and he got the opportunity to work with Impact Basketball in Vegas this past summer and learn some tips of the trade with regards to basketball training. And during his time, he was also able to work up close and personal firsthand with DeMarcus Cousins, as well as Chris Stapps Porzingis. 
and I, and I was able to do this great interview with him where he shared his insights in insights on his journey about becoming a professional basketball trainer and being able to work with the likes of DeMarcus Cousins and and what types of drills he was uh what types of drills he was working on. We also got his thoughts on how he believed DeMarcus Cousins would fit on the Lakers offense. So it's really really bittersweet, but I think it's still an interesting conversation and and in respects to Dave Singleton and the insight he was able to provide, I still want to just air the interview for those who want to listen to it and maybe file it away for next year should Boogie come back on the Lakers. So yeah, and for for the basketball junkies, especially at this time of the year where substantial basketball content is hard to come by, I, th- I still think you'll be entertained and find the conversation insightful in spite of the fact that you're going to have to put an asterisk on everything because it is about DeMarcus Cousins, you're going to get excited and all that stuff. But um, Dave Singleton is a former Division I basketball player who played on Marquette, and his former teammates include Jimmy Butler, Jay Crowder. So even when it comes to what he has to say about aspects of basketball training and learning how to work and develop specific players and and tailor-make certain sessions to their game. I think all of that is still really useful information and really insightful information to kind of digest. So all very unfortunate in light of this new DeMarcus Cousins news. But again, if you're into basketball, if you're into just thinking about what could have been, which I know is not a fun thing to do right now, please just check out my interview with Dave Singleton of Making Hoops. And just when it comes to just hearing about someone's story of their their summer and their kind of impromptu serendipitous opportunity to be able to work out with a guy like DeMarcus Cousins, I think from that angle, it's really cool to hear Dave Singleton give us his kind of journey this past offseason and honestly just his journey trying to make it in this uh, basketball training industry and... Um, what he's doing to improve his own company, get more exposure, and uh, some of his principles that he tries to instill when it comes to his own craft. So with that said, I will turn it over to my interview with Dave Singleton, where we talk about Boogie Cousins, the professional basketball training industry, and the summer that was and the year that could have been. So yes, I'll turn it over to that interview. As usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes. That really helps us out a lot, especially because we are continuing to still have to work and pump out this content during a time when I thought we'd be able to chill and relax and queue up some episodes a little bit. Also, in the future, I do have a, a couple other episodes queued up, a couple really good and insightful interviews queued up where I may have mentioned and we may have talked about DeMarcus Cousins. Please put an asterisk on that and keep that in mind when those conversations happen. They don't really change the um, the main theme and topic of the conversation, but obviously in light of this new news, uh, those few tidbits are now irrelevant. So Hate to be a downer, hate to speak in this sort of solemn tone, but it is what it is. But uh, but yeah, the talk with Dave Singleton should cheer you up a little bit because he's a really good guy doing really big things, hopefully, um, in Calgary and, and hoping to expand his business. So with that said, my interview with Dave Singleton. All right, tonight we are pleased to welcome on former Division One basketball player, a Marquette Golden Eagle alumnus. His former Marquette teammates include current NBA stars like Jimmy Butler and Jay Crowder. He is the head elite basketball trainer of Making Hoops Training, Mr. Dave Singleton. Dave, 
Welcome on to the show. Thanks for joining us tonight. Now, I know you live in Calgary with your family right now, going on five years, but I also know you grew up in Pennsylvania, Coatesville to be exact. At this point in your life, do you consider yourself more of a Canada slash Northwest type of guy, or are you still holding on to your East Coast uh, Philly roots? <laughs> Always going to hold on to my, uh, you know, my East Coast, Coatesville, Philadelphia uh, roots. Just because that's you know that's how I got started, and um, I'm, you know I always got a special place for them. You know, it's the hometown. But uh, <clears throat> currently, right now, you know, I'm loving Calgary, uh, all of my Calgarians, and <laughs> uh, you know, just <laughs> trying to build, you know, build, uh, you know, all the basketball level here, and uh, you know, just continue continue to grow it. That's awesome. Well, I, I don't know if most of my listeners know this, but I even though I I've lived in LA for much of my life. A lot of my relatives on my mother's side all grew up in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, which is just about, you know, 20 minutes away from the city of Philadelphia. So and a lot of my relatives worked worked out there in the city. And every summer I'd visit my grandmother and the family. So I've long considered Philly a second home. I, I like that city uh, or that Philly has its own little quirks and sensibilities uh, about the city that I love, including, you know, how historical it is. But at this moment, I'm definitely not too sad about missing out on that East Coast humidity this summer. Ah, so. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I know. We, we had a bunch of heat waves going on uh, not too long ago. But, you know, we it, it happens every year. So we just kind of adapt to it. Uh, speaking of heat, you were in Vegas this summer, which is a whole different story, a whole different kind of heat. Uh, but Dave, you got the chance to train at Impact Basketball in Vegas this summer with some NBA players and one who one who is very relevant to the Lakers this year. Uh, you got an up-close and personal look at newest Laker DeMarcus Cousins, uh, Beach Bod Boogie, Keto Cousins. Uh, so we definitely want to pick your brain about that. Uh, but before we do, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're currently doing with Making Hoops, uh, what your guys' mission statement is, and where people can find you social media-wise. Okay. Um, you know, like like you said, it's up here in Calgary, Alberta, um, on the west coast of Canada. Um, and we currently are, you know, a, a, sort of um, a similar training facility as Impact. Um, and what we do is we focus a lot on skill development, um, you know, allowing players to be able to get more touches. Um, a lot of our, uh, you know, training is catered towards, um, you know, youth, youth ages, low as the sixth, all the way to adults. Um, and we basically try to focus on, you know, any player or athlete that, you know, comes in with a goal. Um, and has a mindset of, you know, wanting to, you know, get better or improve in their skills. Um, we want to make sure that we handle that and, 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 and basically, you know, um, help them achieve their goals. And then um, we also, you know, are currently just, you know, building, locate, you know, um, potentially looking at uh, expanding and, and building a couple other locations. Nice. Um, but what you can also do is just follow us on social media uh, and just kind of stay up to date. It's making hoops, M-A-K-I-N-H-O-O-P-S. And our website is makinghoops.com. Awesome. That, that, that's cool to hear. Um, now, with regards to your basketball career, was this sort of like the next, was this an intuitive next level for you getting into basketball training or what sort of sparked um you to become a, a basketball trainer with making hoops or is it as obvious and predictable as it sounds? 
no, it actually wasn't. Um, you know, before I had got on with making hoops, I was I always had a sales background. So I, mm-hmm. I was working for a sales company out here um, and an opportunity uh, had presented presented itself with making hoops because I was um, before I had got on with making hoops, I was running a company called Coaching Victory Player Development. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like a, a sub entity um, from uh, a company back in my hometown called Coaching Victory. Um, shout out to Coach of Victory out in Coachville, Pennsylvania, doing their thing right now. Hey. Um, and following them at, you know, at CV Basketball. Uh, and <laughs> they we that's how it kind of all got started. Like I told you, I always try to keep my roots, you know, back at home. So yep. uh, I brought CV, you know, out here. And I was running that for about three years. And then this opportunity, I came over with making hoops and where they just needed, you know, um, they needed a, a, you know, a head trainer as well as like a general manager. So I just kind of like applied. I connected with the, the owner um, and, you know, a mutual friend uh, had basically put in a good word for me and then um, went to go visit the facility, loved everything that, you know, was presented to me. And um, just saw the, you know, the opportunity of being able to, you know, do what I wanted to do in the basketball training world. But Mm -hmm. that wasn't really my main focus when I first got out here. It was really just, you know, working, being with my family and kind of like doing the training on the side. But once I saw that, you know, this is more of a business and, you know, it had the opportunity of just expanding and growing and, you know, becoming major. I was like, you know what? It's a no brainer. Absolutely. And, you know, the basketball training business has expanded so much in the last few years. And no, that's really cool how all of that came together for you. And that's awesome to hear. Now, with regards to your work at Impact Basketball uh, this summer in Vegas, how did your partnership with them start out? And how did your on-court work with uh, DMC come about? Got it. Um, So the way that Impact and Making Hoops had kind of like partnered up is the impact had heard about making hoops and what we were kind of like, you know, doing out here on the West coast. And, you know, they, they reached out to me uh, via email and was, you know, wanted to have basically like a little conversation and just figure out, you know, how we can, you know, partner up and uh, somehow, you know, bring kids from Canada down to, you know, Vegas um, to train with impact as you know well as vice versa from you know the states being able to come up and train with us and just because they have the you know the platform right mm-hmm. they have you know all of the nba guys like the marcus being able right. to come in you know and train at their facility uh throughout the whole summer and we just thought it was a great opportunity to just you know have that name back in us as well as connect with you know their um, their management team and um, their trainers and just, you know, try to pick their brain and just, you know, see how we can kind of, you know, grow to that platform and, and that level. And um, we, you know, when they presented the opportunity to partner up, it was just like, like I said, no brainer. And um, right. when I had went down to, uh, you know, train with them this past, this past, well, this summer, uh, past couple few few weeks ago, um you know, I really just wanted to, you know, sh- share my knowledge as well as, you know, gain a few things from them. Just see how they kind of organize and structure and run, you know, their training sessions and just make sure that, you know, we we, we follow in the same protocol. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just being able to, um, 
be in that type of environment and train, you know, those high level type players. Um, it was, you know, it was awesome. <clears throat> um, when I used to live in Coatesville, uh, I, I kind of was in that, you know, in that industry of, mm-hmm. uh, of that type of market, right? Like, like you said, like Jay Crowder, Jimmy Butler, the bike bikes, yep. Jer- Darius Johnson Odom. I played with, you know, some of the top guys that are in the NBA mm-hmm. and, uh, and had, and was fortunate to be able to train, you know, a few of those guys, uh, you know, my former teammates, especially, uh, just to kind of like, you know, get my name out there, get my buzz out there. But, you know, it's just different out here in Canada because not too many NBA players come out right. here and, you know, it's not really known for, um, NBA guys to just come to, uh, Calgary, Alberta or Alberta, Providence. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so once I went down to, to train with Impact, it was just like a, a big rush. And, you know, it just started like everybody started <laughs> to love me. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, now, with regards to kind of I, I was like, you know, snooping around your Instagram page and seeing your pictures working out with uh, not only Demarcus, but Porzingis. Um, how did that come about? Was it kind of like just impromptu since you were already there with, uh, you know, representing making hoops that they kind of brought you in and uh, you kind of helped facilitate some of their drills working with these NBA players? Uh, yeah, that was exactly how it was. Um Porzingis and Demarcus, they were coming on court around like 10 o'clock. I had got there around like at 9 a.m. Um, and really what it was is just, I guess, I had re- basically I just told like the, the head, head, head trainer there, his name is Drew. And um, he just, you know, asked me like, yo, I need you to help me, you know, with this this training session. And, um, you know, if you have any input or whatever, like you know, don't be afraid. <clears throat> so <laughs> it was actually cool. Got to connect with Demarcus a little bit, got to talk to uh Porzingis a lot because um you know he was he's going to Dallas this upcoming season. Right. And when I was uh what was it? I think I just had graduated college. Jay Crowder was just on Dallas. So right. I was going out in the summertime and training with him and the Mavericks. So I was mm-hmm. just kind of like, you know, touching, you know, just kind of like sharing a few, you know, food spots and, you know, how the <laughs> city is and, um, you know, making sure that he's he's kind of taken care of because, uh, you know, we were very heavily connected out there. So I uh, just wanted to make sure that, you know, he was going to have a good time and make him feel comfortable about the city and uh, about the decision he made. And then, I uh, talked to DeMarcus Cousins a little bit. Um, him and I, we, we, we had a lot of uh, mutual friendships. Um, mm-hmm. He's actually coaching right now. One of my uh, one of my um, college teammates, Darius Johnson Odom. TBT. On t- yeah, on the TBT. <laughs> so I know, you know, Darius, Quincy Miller, uh, a couple of those guys. So we just kind of shared some, some cool memories um, and just, you know, talked about you know, upcoming season. At that time, he didn't even know that he was going to the Lakers, so it was pretty cool <laughs> that he just kind of like, you know, kept it disguised a little bit. But Right, right. Um, so I guess since you got an up-close-and-personal look at how DeMarcus is doing this offseason, and, you know, we've all seen the pictures and video of him looking incredibly slimmed down. Um, to you, how did how did he look to you physically? And was how apparent was that transformation? Did he look healthy overall? Uh, he looked he looked very healthy. Um, him and um, Porzingis. Um, one thing I loved about both of those guys is 
their training session wasn't until 10, but they were in there, you know, getting, um, getting their treatment, you know, getting their mind, getting their body right. They were there at 8 a.m., you know, two hours before they even before they even got on court. And um, I just love the focus when they were inside, you know, in the drill work. And um, both guys were moving like, you know, they were 100 um, percent. And, you know, shots was falling. They were in good rhythms um, and, you know, just motivated each other. Uh, and I just, you know, was glad to be a part of it. That's awesome. Um, whether whether it was like the Impact Basketball director, um, did you know specifically what Demarcus and Porzingis were focusing in on that day, or I guess what types of drills uh, were they looking to sort of uh, center around while you were there? Um, a lot of the drills were uh, a lot of catch and shoot, um, some a little bit off the dribble, uh, some pick and pop into a one on one scenario. Um, a lot of it was just a lot of repetitions that day. Um, mm-hmm. Nothing too hard, nothing too serious, but uh, a lot of you know competing to you know, like certain numbers, and then um, you know, like I said, you got the one-on-one scenario, and uh, just making sure that you know you kind of compete in during those uh, one-on-one scenarios to you know the best of his ability. But uh, he was moving, you know solid um, it was just hitting shots tough shots dunked a few times um so it was it was pretty cool to see did they ever match up against each other or was it just more against <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, they didn't match up against anybody uh not not each other um there was another guy another buddy uh that was just kind of like you know playing light defense but it wasn't very light. They, Demarcus was kind of competing with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Never, never loses that competitive edge. Never, right? never. That was, that was another thing that I loved about him too. Because you see it on TV, right? But when it's up close and personal, it's just it's a different story. Mm-hmm. You really, I mean, myself playing, you know, I had that competitive spirit as well too. But just seeing another competitor being able to, you know, in drill work, fresh off an of injury, you know, still have that mindset. That was uh, that was cool to see. Right. It doesn't matter who the person is. Right. Um, when it comes to, you know, De- both Demarcus and Porzingis, um, and you can lend some insight from your own work as a basketball trainer yourself. And, you know, maybe you didn't get maybe you weren't leading the charge with the, with this session entirely, but um, pulling from your own experience. Is it different dealing with, you know, bigger guys like Demarcus and Porzingis versus more? you know, perimeter oriented players who are more, who are, who are more like guards and wings essentially, or because Porzingis or because Porzingis and DeMarcus are more versatile, modern age, big men, does the, do you think the training aspect of things or what those guys focus on is any different than if you're training with a, with a perimeter player or because they're so versatile, maybe some of the stuff they work on is just similar at this point like yes every every trainer every trainer should be able to recognize you know what type of athlete they have what athletes uh you know strengths and weaknesses is what type of game um they're catered to play once they're in you know in between the lines um but you know to get back to your point uh with Porzingis and Cousins um you can structure the workout a little bit the same um, simply because they are, you know, about 6'11". Uh, so Porzingis can't play back to the basket. 
just as well as um, uh, Demarcus Cousins. But at mm-hmm. the same time, they are they are outside of the the three. They uh, they can't put the ball on the floor. They can't do the pick and pop. Um, so you structure the workout catered towards you know what type of players that you do have, and you have to study that film to make sure that you know you're doing what they are going to be doing in the game rather than training on something that, you know, they're really not. But sometimes in off season, you want to, you want to add, you know, a new component or a new tool um, to your tool set. Uh, but you, you know, you want to make sure that they'll, you'll recognize them being able to use those tools and, you know, not kind of like wasting the time and not using them, you know, from, from your perspective, kind of being, you know, in the trenches with them during these drills and stuff, was there anything that you noticed or observed from even just like, you know, maybe what would seem like these mundane, yeah, these mundane routine uh, drills that the Marcus was doing that, uh, was was there anything, I guess, that, you know, in your head that maybe you didn't articulate <laughs> to him in person that, that you you might have saw like positive or anything that you're, you're, you maybe thought to yourself, oh, maybe he's, maybe he's still working his way back in this respect. Oh, no, nah. I mean, he was he was working, you know, consistently throughout the whole session. Um, you know, nothing really phased him. Uh, he was hitting a lot of shots, a lot of consistent, you know, like five, six, seven, seven street um, on the move, you know, stationary balling, you know, ball in hand, uh, putting the ball on the floor. Uh, he was, you know. He was moving a okay. <laughs> <laughs> was there was there an extra focus, you know, with the way that the NBA has changed over the last few years to being very perimeter oriented, even when when it comes to the front court players that, you know, guys like Demarcus and Porzingis have, you know, upped their reps from the three point line. Was there a specific focus on that during this time? Yeah. So we are. So Norm. Uh, well, the session that we were in. Um, we always started off with about 50 to 60 makes mid range, um, both sides, you know, on the move stationary. And then we bounced out to, um, to the three point, uh, three pointer, about 50 to 60 makes each mm-hmm. side. And then, you know, we did a lot of kind of like transition coming in and transition. Cause you know, the markers really plays that type of, you know, that four roll, bringing the ball in right. and kind of like getting that trail three, um, or that rotation, or that rotation, um, you know, rotation three from, you know, the guards, you know, crossing and reversing it from the top, getting that three ball, um, also the pick and pop. So we worked a lot on, you know, just getting reps on those, those type of movements and step in shots. Yeah, and especially on a team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, he is usually going to be that third guy who kind of pops out, or maybe he's facilitating as well. And it's it's crazy to say that maybe LeBron's screening for him, or Anthony Davis is screening for him. Yeah, you know, you'll so. see a lot of tandem. You'll see a lot of tandems. You know, probably that uh, you know with with the Lakers just because of they can kind of go back to that triangle. You know, because they got perimeter passers perimeter mm-hmm. shooters plus slashers you know um very like very athletic wings kuzma you know he can he can kind of like shoot the basketball plus attack lebron you know shoot pass re, you know do, do it all you got ad that still can you know shoot the ball attack the basket at the same time he can find guys and you know they all going to do whatever it takes to kind of win and i think you know the lakers they got a good chance um 
you know, they got a good chance of, you know, making it deep this year. And then, you know, they got depth. Even yep. if, you know, DeMarcus comes off the bench or whatever, you know, the, the situation may be, um, they balance they balance the floor well, uh, you know, in their rotations and, and their groups. Absolutely. Um, with regards to his conditioning and stamina throughout the workout, did it look like he was in tip-top shape in that respect? I know it's hard to tell because he's not playing competitive ball, but I mean. Um, I mean, tip-top shape. He probably, he probably, I wouldn't say is tip-top because it was, what, last month? Like, I, right. I would say probably right now when he's training, like, he's probably, like, at least 80 percent you know in shape and he probably got about another you know 15 to 20 to get to within these next couple of weeks but i mean he, he was good he got through the whole workout still you know shot a little bit afterwards um you know and, and still was able to get his treatment in at the end um you know yeah i, I think i mean you know, i'm pretty sure that he's ready to go right um, with, I don't know if you've dealt with, I don't know if you yourself have dealt with an Achilles injury or no players that have dealt with an Achilles injury. Um, but when it comes to like a big man sustaining that type of, you know, yeah, that type of injury, in your opinion, do, do you like the approach of him sort of slimming down? Do you think he'll eventually bulk back up a little uh, before the season begins? Um, I don't know if you have a take on that and just uh, his approach to, you know, maybe he, he's kind of been heavy set when it comes to his lower lower core for much of his career, do you think it's going to help him long-term to, you know, lose some of that weight and be a little more agile and, and not have all that weighing him down, especially when he's considering, you know, the, his Achilles and his, his uh, lower extremities? Uh, yeah, I, I think that definitely plays a, a huge part. Um, I know that they'll probably try to get him back or a little bit uh, lower, um, than the weight that he started with probably last year. They obviously know if he has too much weight, then, you know, that can cause, um, you know, difficulties into the Achilles and, and, and just kind of, you know, reoccur that injury. Um, but I, 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 I'm pretty sure that they're probably planning on either getting him the same or a little bit lower, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in weight just to kind of, you know, I guess – be at the same be at the same type level as he was last year but the main thing about that is just building back that strength so if right. he loses the, loses the weight he still has to be able to gain that strength to be able to kind of you know sustain sustain that um yeah so, i guess to just sustain that injury right like as long as it's 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 healthy and it's and it's strong that um and you know he's at the right body weight like he should be able to kind of last and you know the treatment NBA is definitely good at, you know, taking care of players. So, right. uh, you know, I think it'd be all right. Yeah. And this is more of a, a personal opinion question again, but um, how do you think DeMarcus will approach the rest of his career moving forward, understanding, you know, the, the injury that he just had? Do you think it'll change how he approaches the game? Maybe his style of play? I mean, he wasn't a very... You know, he wasn't like a Russell Westbrook super athletic guy to begin with. He was always a very skilled player. Do you think? Do you think anything, in your opinion, will, will change with regards to how he approaches the game? I think that mostly when players get injured and at his level and age and body structure and experience, players get smarter. 
So mm-hmm. he understands, you know, okay, I got this this injury. He understands what he may need to be able to do to, you know, like I said, strengthen and sustain it rather than when he was fresh in the NBA and just thinking like, you know what, okay, I might be able to recover with just a little bit of treatment. So I think that his mindset and, you know, his ability to be smarter on the court and maybe not to, you know, move as fast as he used to or, you know, do the things that he kind of used to is just more of like watching film and studying like, okay, how can I, you know, beat this player um, even if I don't have, you know, the same strength that I used to have, but still being able to, you know, be effective with the basketball and uh, still be that dominant player, you know, as he once was for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, my last question to you is, and it's just, this is just, you know, a recap of, of your summer being able to work with such talented and versatile, versatile big men. And I know you've played with with several NBA players before, but was it was it sort of different being around such skilled guys like that who are also that heavy and also that tall? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's it, 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 it's it's really not a, a factor to me just because. I'm in that training industry sure. um, and I play with, you know, big guys like that all throughout my career um, and, you know, play with a lot of skilled guys. Uh, and, yeah. So it doesn't really affect me when I see it. I'm just actually embracing it and loving mm-hmm. it and just like, you know, just love the the whole opportunity uh, to just, you know, be able to get my sense and my IQ to the game. And, um, you know, and be able to try to, like, help them the best way I can um, and just show them, you know, things that they may not be seeing or, you know, effective ways of, you know, how to be effective with the basketball, uh, you know, in this game and just, you know, taking care of the body and just making sure that you have the longevity and, you know, whatever that they're doing. Um, But no, it's it's, it's more of a blessing and, and thankfulness and and enjoying the opportunity when I do kind of, you know, train those type of players um, and those type of, you know, caliber guys. Uh, DeMarcus and Porzingis was the only ones that I kind of like trained at an impact, but I had a few other uh, trainings with, um, you know, some other uh, players out there as well um, that, you know, I had kind of like set up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, from an outside person, uh, one guy, you know, he's from Philadelphia. He trains a lot of NBA guys. His name is Chuck Ellis, uh, mm-hmm. at Chuck underscore Ellis, um, on, on IG. Very, do- he does great work. Um, appreciated the opportunity to just, you know, working with him. He's from a back around my way. We trained, um, Marcus and Markeith, uh, Morris. Those guys are from right. Philadelphia. They used to play on my AAU team. So I had the opportunity to go back and train with them, work out with those guys. Um, we also had Nick uh, Siskowskis. Um, he used to play He used to play with uh, Portland Sixers, Trailblazers yeah. Yeah, and the Sixers. Um, so we had him in the gym as well. A um, couple college guys, a couple overseas guys that I was able to connect with and just kind of, you know, train and, and just show, you know, what I could do. Because I'm mm-hmm. all the way in, in, in Canada, so, you know, guys just <laughs> see in the Instagram and, you know, and allowing me to be able to, you know, kind of put them through, you know, workouts was, you know, a blessing and just, uh, you know, helping build them, you know, my resume and, and, and my name in this industry, 
even though guys know that I did play, you know, at that level, but it's a different type game now. Absolutely. Uh, I lied. I have one more question for you. <laughs> um, and, and I guess it branches off of what you just said. Um, first, uh, if you can articulate and you can share, what are some tidbits that you were able to sort of, you know, uh, bring to the table or give your two cents on with regards to working with DeMarcus Cousins? And then on the other side of that, what was something that you sort of picked on that you will probably take with you to uh, your training facility in Canada that you you were able to observe that was not enlightening to you, but something that you just picked on, picked up on with regards to, you know, training with DeMarcus Cousins? Um, you know, being able to add my two cents, uh, you know, sometimes on a jump shot, when you know, just minor, minor, very minor things, right? They're, they're NBA guys. They kind of, you know, understand how to get in their own rhythm, how to get their own shot off, you know. Um, but, you know, me being able to add my sense is, you know, sometimes on the jump shot, just being able to, um, you know, tell them, you know, extend extend a little bit more if the shot goes short, um, you know, grab the rim at the end, you know, diff, different little pointers on, a sh- you know, when they were shooting. Um, and then, you know, sometimes being able to, you know, like, shift their hips a little mm-hmm. bit more when they're trying to sell, you know, sell a move if they, you know, putting the basketball on the ground um, and, you know, and just recognize when that help is coming, you know, protect the moves, right. uh, you know, still being able to follow through and get to the basket, no matter if somebody's reaching in or, you know, trying to create body contact. So those are my kind of like pointers in that session. Um, but, a, you know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of my training sessions, when I am, you know, kind of just making my point is it's more of just like trying to show players that it's not all about, you know, dribbling five, six, seven times, you know, and making a thousand moves. Right. It's more of just being able to shift, you know, shift your shoulders, you know, selling a person with your eyes um, and being able to, you know, kind of get that player off balance to be able to get whatever shot that you want or to be able to get by them. Um, and it, you know, it doesn't always, you know, involved, like I said, eight to 10 dribbles, uh, you know, <laughs> my main thing at my facility is being efficient and effective when you got the basketball in your hands. So it's more of out of like Kawhi Leonard, like out of the triple threat mm-hmm. shot fake jab. And then when you got to put the ball on the ground, you know, you, you dragging a player, dragging a player, and then, you know, being able to shift them, you know, one way or the other to be able to do what you want to do. Right. Um, yeah, but you know, th- that was main thing that I kind of like was 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 kind of adding my impact into the session. Do you think? Sorry, not to cut you off, but I, you just brought me to to a point. Do you think that with Demarcus's injury, because you know prior to his injury, he he liked to dribble the ball a lot. He in in some ways is a bit erratic. Uh, liked to show off his handle a bit. Um, could be a little. Uh, James Hardeny, Russell Westbrooky, <laughs> with all that. But do you think after his injury that you know there will be more of a focus on what you just mentioned? You know, like a deliberateness, intentionality, just more fundamental moves that you know maybe he'll have to rely on more than just what he used to in the past, where it was just like his talent, his skill, and being able to kind of do whatever he wanted. Um, no, I think they probably still gonna play you know his <laughs> same game. Like it, just because he got injured, I don't feel like. He's about to change his game, you know, that much. I think, like, when he turns, you know, 29, 30, 30, you know, 31, 32, like, 
that's when you start to kind of like do, you know, the less dribbles, the less movement. It's more of just being, you know, like I said, super efficient. Uh, but, I, you know, I think that he still has good handle. He still has good moves to be able to make and get by and, and be and he's a great passer, you know. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, he, keeping the basketball on the ground with him just creates a whole nother level for the Lakers just yep. to be able to find their guys or, you know, get to the basket because in the lane is so wide open. So I don't think just because he got the injury, like he might stop, you know, one thing or another, he might, he, he, he probably going to get better at it just because people <laughs> are thinking like, you know what? I don't think you still got it. You know, right. that's a serious injury. That's awesome. Um, I don't know if you had a final answer with regards to what you picked up on during your time there. Or? Um, so the main, uh, my main thing that I kind of picked up there was was basically just the flow, the flow of how each session was. Like there were sessions, you know, each hour, and just kind of picking up like, you know, the special things to kind of work on with the player, but um, just you know, one, you know, one drill after another, one after another, after another, and just making sure that you know they're in a consistent flow and working on. Like I said, you know, things that they're going to be, you know, effective with in the game. Um, and if it is something new, um, just watching, you know, how detailed they get in the breakdown of, um, you know, uh, of whatever the move might be. Uh, I'm very big on, you know, detail and just, you know, shifting movements, not only with your body, with your eyes. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, that was kind of cool that they kind of shared that same you know, type trade as well too. So, uh, the main biggest thing I took was just the flow, the flow mm-hmm. of, you know, the session and just how smooth it was and how, you know, effective they got, you know, as many reps up as they did and learned what they learned. Right. Yeah. It doesn't seem like a lot of wasted energy <laughs> during these sessions. No so. waste of energy, no waste of real time, you know, grab water, come right back. It was, it was, it was a good flow. That's awesome, man. Well, thank you for sharing your experience with us and just sharing some of your uh, techniques and and what you like to focus in on with regards to your own training when it comes to making hoops. And thanks for hopping on the show. We really appreciate it. I mean, this summer, we've just been trying to eat up whatever content we can with regards to the Lakers, especially when it comes to Boogie Cousins, who I think is probably, you know, one of the most exciting acquisitions for the Lakers this summer, even in spite of the fact that they missed out on Kawhi. When it comes to somehow stumbling upon you know, found money. I mean, that's that's DeMarcus Cousins <laughs> in a lot of ways. And I'm very excited to have him on the team. Always been a huge Boogie supporter, even when he was with uh, Sacramento. Always thought he was misunderstood. And I think we'll have a lot of fun with uh, AD, LeBron, Rondo, and all those guys. So um, if you have any last words, go ahead and do so. And if you want to, again, plug any of your socials, any of Making Hoops socials, uh, please go ahead. Uh, yeah, I mean, first of all, I just want to say thank you for, uh, you know, being able to share my knowledge and my experience with uh training with boogie and you know all of the other players um that i had you know a fortunate opportunity to be able to train um if you do want to follow you know myself uh my my personal page um and training page is dave singleton 10 so d-a-v-e-s-i-n-g-l-e-t-o-n and the number 10 uh making hoops and, you know, if you want to follow us on um, uh, Instagram, 
um, as well as check out our website, uh, www.makinghoops.com. Um, and yeah, you know, if you ever, you know, are looking for, I'm, I'm about, I'm just now putting together a, a website and some online content. So look for that in about like a week or two. Um, and just, you know, continually trying to grow my name, um, you know, and just, you know, grow my, I guess my catalog of players, um, and just, you know, continue to grow as a trainer and just learning, you know, this game, um, and, you know, how to be effective, uh, you know, with any player that, you know, comes my way. Um, but I, like I said, appreciate you, you know, allowing me to be able to be on your show. Um, I might be in LA, uh, in a couple of weeks, so definitely reach out to you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, But, uh, yeah, man, appreciate it again. Awesome. Thanks Dave for coming on. And, you know, these were the, I think these were some promising steps towards continuing to establish yourself in this, um, field, which, which it seems like you kind of just stumbled upon, you know, which is pretty good, which is pretty awesome. Even, even though you have a pretty sterling resume when it comes to actual basketball play yourself. But again, thanks for hopping on and, uh, have a good night, man. All right, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com.